Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're in our uh, War for Your Heart series. uh, And as Mark and Cheryl told you, uh, on your way out, make sure you get um, one of these uh, clings here. Uh, Just so you know, in case you're afraid it might ruin something, uh, it is something you can take on and off. So it's not going to stick to your... Um, your mirror or your window or your windshield, if you want to drive around it. Um, and then uh, in your bulletin, it's a little more expansive, so it gives a little more and with some scripture references. We wanted to make this uh, something where you could actually read the, the font, and so we didn't add everything. And then uh, I highly encourage you on your way out, there's also, uh, they're, they're really all the same thing, they're just add a little bit more. So there's a, a sheet that we printed out, it's on the info tables out there. Um, and it just kind of walks you through in, in a bigger way in case you misplaced your bulletin or something. Um, and then it has a, a challenge uh, on the back because that's what we're going to get to as we, as we walk this through. We want to apply this specifically for a two-week period and just let the Lord begin a habit in our lives. Uh, so our big idea today as we look at the armor of God is that we are in an all-out war. So we got to stay alert and stand confident. We have a real enemy, so we need to be prepared, and God gives us everything we need to do to be prepared, to live victorious, to be confident, to not be overwhelmed, overcome, or, 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 or you know, led astray in any way. He provides us what we need. He provides for us what we need. And so we're going to be looking at Ephesians 6, Uh, in different chunks today, so I encourage you to turn there uh, in your Bibles or in your apps uh, as we walk through that in just a little bit. But the the reality is this, we're we're in a war. And there's some people like, I don't want to be in a war. Well, Jesus says we're in a war, right? There's a battle for the hearts and minds of humans. Uh, There's there's an enemy that's real. He came against Jesus, the creator, the son of the living God, and so he's going to come against us. But No fear. We just have to be mindful of how to live this out and realize you're either going to engage in this war and in these battles or you're going to live defeated or hidden or less than. Those are your only two options. The only ways you can go there. So the enemies that we see in front of us on a daily basis often look like humans and and, and sometimes we're related to them, sometimes we're married to them, sometimes we, we birth them. Sometimes they're our parents, sometimes they're our teachers, sometimes they're our co-workers. Sometimes it's the neighbor down the road or the guy in the car next to us who just won't put on his blinker or turn off his blinker, you know, or whatever it, it might be. We see them and we think that's the real enemy. And they're real as far as humans go, but they're not the real enemy. They're... There is some type of human conflict that happens, an issue, an argument, a a relational struggle. That's why we love Cultivate. We learn how to live relationships well with one another. There's disagreements. There's friction. Sometimes there is an uh, all-out attack on you or a, a battle you're fighting with someone and verbally or relationally, but it's always driven by spiritual forces of darkness that stay as much as they can strategically hidden from view because the enemy wants you to think that people are the enemy. But the enemy's the enemy. He's the one behind it all. He wants us to see others 
as our enemy and, and battle there because he wants to take out the heart of the believer. And he hates the heart of the unbeliever equally. He's not like, hey, I'm glad that guy doesn't follow Jesus. He just hates. And so he's always against us and he's always against humanity. He despises the fact that God's favorite part of creation is the human being. That God made the human and made the heart of the human as one that is his, is his focus. It's his favorite part of creation. So, so Satan hates that because he wanted to be first. He wanted to be God. And so he despises what God loves the most. So we've got to prepare for battle. It's part one of, of putting on the armor of God is to prepare for battle. And that battle is for the treasure that is your heart. And the heart of the believer is what God says I love the most. It's why he says protect it above all things. Guard it above all things. Be, be vigilant in, in, in protecting it because life flows from it. The heart of the follower of Jesus is never trouble because we know in Ezekiel we had a heart of stone. We begin following God. We follow Jesus and he gives us a heart of flesh that's responsive. So we have a new heart always. So how you're dressed for battle makes all the difference. And I would imagine all of us, maybe you played sports, you played football. If somebody ran out there in their, you know, jogging shorts and their sleeveless shirt and flip-flops, they're going to get creamed on the football field. If somebody goes to war and they're like, got my squirt gun and my goggles, they're going to get killed. You've got to dress properly and God tells us it's a war. It's a battle, so I give you armor. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says this. A final word, Paul says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Put on all the armor and then you're able to stand firm against some, most of, Hopefully one strategy of the devil. All strategies of the devil. God got bold there with some words. All the armor I give you stands firm and victorious against all strategies of the enemy. So we're given armor. We're given the weapons that we need for war and the battles that we have to fight. You're going to have to fight them. The Holy Spirit has Paul tell us to stand firm in God's power, not our power. He makes sure we, he says that in there because so often we're like, well, I've got this. Or he says I should do this instead. Or there's a new way of handling it. Or, or I don't know if, if patience is the right way. I need to push the envelope, Jesus. God says, I, I've got the strategies. Don't use human thinking and don't go out on your own. Suit up with the full armor of God. So we prepare for battle, and then we have to identify our enemy. We've got to know who the real battle is against. And even though Satan is fully defeated forever, the cross was his demise. It ended uh, any, you know, it just ended his, his hold over humanity. He's still allowed to exist and, and wreak havoc in certain ways for a period of time. We don't all understand it. 
uh, we can study it and, and learn about it and, and grow in it and see uh, signs of the times and all. But we don't know when that's going to end. But he's a defeated enemy, but he's still allowed to, to, to attack us and, and come at us at times. He still has certain period of time left. But the thing is, it's not that he's allowed to because he's so powerful. God allows time so that more people can come to know God. Yeah. That's the point. It's not that the enemy's got away and Jesus is trying to figure out how to end it all. He ended it all at the cross. Yes. When he said it's finished, it's finished. But the, the delay is because God's patient and he wants everyone to come to know yes. him. Amen. Out of love, he delays that. So even though he's defeated forever, there still are some real threats now. So we must go to battle. Paul says in verse 12 here, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Look around you or next to you. Don't say anything to them. That's flesh and blood next to you somewhere. Those are not your enemies. Now, I know in a church setting, probably, if you're on a row, even if you're not getting along with somebody in here, probably not going to sit next to them. I get that. Um, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're at some protest, when you're dealing with stuff, those are not your enemies. Yep. Paul says, those are not your enemies. But evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, that's your enemy. Yep. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, that's our enemy. So we have to ask ourselves, as we identify our enemy, what's, what's behind what's happening here? Like, what's really going on here? Is that person just broken? Are they following something wrong? Do they believe something wrong about God or about me? Am I maybe not exuding the love and compassion of Christ? What's, what's going on behind this interaction? Because this interaction is real. It's not going gray. We're arguing or we're not getting along. So that's really happening, but that's not my enemy. What's really going on? What's the enemy's scheme or plan here? That's what we got to ask ourselves. You see, he comes at your heart to discourage you, to bring in fear, worry, strife. He wants to, he wants to create chaos. He wants to affect others, and, and, and he's all about discord and broken relationships. That's, again, why we love Cultivate on Sunday nights, because we learn how to have this relationship made right with God and then grow in our relationship with Him because we can have it made right but then also grow in, in the strength and understanding of it as we live as sons and daughters of the living God. And then as we get this one right, then we, we work on relationships with others. If you think you've got it all together in every relationship in every way and that you're perfect in your relationships... You need to get a clue on something because you don't have it perfect. Right. And, and you might not hate anyone. I'm not saying you do, but like you got stuff to work on. I got stuff to work on. That guy that God brings in your life, he's either going to have stuff to work on or when God brings him into your life, it's going to help you work on the stuff you need to work on because right. God's always in play for us. That's why I love Cultivate because it helps us grow in our relationships that matter. People will fail you at times. Right? I'm going to fail people at times. They're going to fail me and I'm going to fail them. Do I want to? No. Do you want to? I hope not. 
We just are. We're imperfect, being made perfect. But the focus isn't living perfect, because that's an idol. The focus is, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? What do you want to do from me? What do you want to do for me from others? That's relationship. If expectations of others or needs placed in them is, is what you need, like you need them to act this way, you need them to give you this, I need you to always be this, I need you to always act that way, if that's what I need and that's the expectation I have, I will live defeated. And if I don't live defeated, I will become combatant because that person is seen as my enemy. I'll, I'll go after them. Or maybe I'll, I'll uh, just fade away in the back and be like, ah, I'm not getting involved in anything. I'm not going to do anything. The easiest way to not have an issue is to not even be seen. So I will remove myself from relationship. Or maybe you run away. You, you can fade away or you can run away. I mean, I see it a lot. I, I see people, they're like, oh, this isn't ha- working out my way. So I'm going to break some china on the way out the door. Uh, this isn't working out the way that you need to make it work out with that person, so I'm going to complain about you, and then I'm out. I'm just going to go love Jesus instead. And it's like, I'm going to leave this and not deal with it and go love Jesus? You see, that's human logic right there. That's human logic applied to your Christian life, and it's not going to go well with you. There's a way that Jesus says to deal with stuff. First First of all, we wear the armor, and then we deal with relationships And here's the thing, I don't mean to spoil your party or anything, but every relationship we we deal with, God's just, he's so faithful, he's gonna gonna use us to help deal with other relationship issues or deal with stuff in our own life to perfect us. And that'll probably go on until we go to heaven because he's in in the business of perfecting us into the very image of Jesus. So he's gotta work things in us and out of us. And then you might be good, but he might need this person to have something worked on him, and so he's going to bring you in and you go, oh, can't you just use Jeremy for him? He bothers me. Right? Oh, that person needs help. I hope Will goes and talks to him. We do that, right? But God knows the perfect way to do things, and, and he might bring someone into Vinton's life because of something that Vinton has that I don't that's going to benefit that person because God's got it all figured out. And part of his figuring it all out is the armor of God works. So our response to the ones that we see as enemies sometimes needs to be mindful of his schemes behind it all. So we prepare for battle and we identify the enemy and then we get dressed. Get dressed. How many parents say that 55 times a week? Now, I say it sadly because they walk out and I'm like, you're literally not dressed. Like, not go get dressed right. It's like, go put clothes on, you know. But uh, boys, uh, I don't know. Um, But we we tell our kids all the time, get dressed, get dressed. You know what? The Father in Heaven tells his kids all the time, get dressed, get dressed. It's just with my kids, it's to not look like like some Lord of the Flies kid. Uh, With us, it's, it's life and godliness on the line. It's a war. It's a battle. It's Jesus leading us and, and clothing us. Ephesians 6.13, Paul writes this, 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Remember, we are in an all-out war. Stand confident. Stay alert. Wear your armor all the time. He tells us right here, after the battle, see, put it on, you have the battle, and then after the battle, you're standing firm. You're not laying on the ground. You're not running away. You're not pointing the finger. You're not bleeding out. You are protected and standing firm after the battle because Jesus never loses a battle. And standing firm is an active position. Like, we don't just, like, stand there and be like, hope nobody sees me, hope nobody, oh, please don't see me, please don't see me. You know, you probably had, if you've ever coached, uh, like, Little League or something, you have that one kid that's like, I just want to stand in the corner, or you stand, you put them in, like, left field or right field, whatever, you know, is is unnecessary or the most, whatever, because they like to just stand there and play with butterflies or whatever, and and they're just like, oh, please don't see me, please don't hit it to me. We don't have that option. Standing firm is an active position. We have just fought the battle. We are holding our sword. We've got our shield. We are ready. We're guarding others and we're ready for what the enemy brings next. Standing firm is active. It reminds me of the story of of David taking on Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. We see as a young boy, we see his prep and, and his mindset and his confidence I mean, he was faithful in following God and and doing what he was called to do. He was called to be a shepherd at that time, anointed as the king in the future and living as a shepherd, being faithful in what he did. In 1 Samuel 17, we see this Philistine giant Goliath coming against Israel. And it's a weird scene that I don't know that we can really understand because we don't live in those times, but both armies are kind of looking like a, I don't know, like a Braveheart scene Stirring each other, and here's this giant, and he's just like, nobody can beat me. Bring it on, send me your best. And so Israel's quaking in their boots, including King Saul. They're terrified. Young David gets sent by his dad to take food to his brothers on the front and kind of bring back a report. He sees the terror in his people's eyes, and he hears Goliath mocking Israel. And he says in verse 26, who's this pagan Philistine anyway? that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Everybody else is shaking in their boots, and they're probably like, oh, I got a blister. I can't, can't get out there, king. I, I got this blister. I need to go check on mom. Oh, my sword's not sharp. You know, whatever they're coming up with. And David's like, who is this dude that he can mock God's army? We need to put him in his place. He sees and he identifies the enemy as an enemy of God, not an enemy of Saul. Not an enemy of, of an army. He's an enemy of God. He's defying God's people. And that's who I, David identifies him as. Verses 32 through 35, David says, I'll go. I kill lions and bears with my bare hands. They, they come at me and I grab them by the head and I, and I put them to death. I'll go. Like, in verse 36, he says, I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Because he recognizes this guy is an enemy of God. 
And when I go battle, I don't battle in my own strength. I battle with God's strength. So David got dressed properly in verses 38 through 45. And it's an interesting contrast we see play out here. He puts on the, the armor. He uses the weaponry that God gives him. Saul's armor, they try to put it on him. And Saul is a very fleshly king. He does his own thing. He defies God. He justifies going against God. And he says, wear this armor. And they put it on. And David's like, uh, nah, it's not for me. It doesn't work right. But really, he's saying, I don't want your human logic armor. I don't want your fleshly armor. It's not who I am. You're disobedient. He didn't say it, but he knows this guy's disobedient to God. And David wanted nothing to do with Saul's way, his strategy. He knew where his strength came from. He knew where his weapons came from, and he's well aware of what God had gifted him with and what he was supposed to use. And when you and I use the weapons and armor that God gives us, we can have absolute confidence. When I live in the weaponry that God gives me and I wear the armor that God gives me, I will be able to stand confident. And if I choose my own way or human logic or some kind of religious uh, you know, weaponry, good luck. Because then it's all on what I've got. And I got nothing. I got nothing. So I wear what God has for me. David says, I can't, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So five stones from a slingshot, a shepherd's staff because I'm a shepherd. And he heads out straight for this nine-foot, nine-inch mocker of God. And David declares openly, the battle's the Lord's, not mine. I come at you with the strength of the Lord. He's the one that called me here. And Goliath, he sees this confident young man or older boy coming at him. He gets mad and then scared. He's 9'9", nine, nine. he's this like behemoth mocking an entire army and he grabs his shield bearer, his, the guy carrying his armor, and he puts him in front of him. He's like, I don't get what's happening here with this kid coming with like a loincloth and some shepherd's clothes and a, and, a, and a stick. I don't know what's happening here, but he's pretty confident. It's freaking me out. There's no reason Goliath should be scared. And yet he's trembling in his big boots. And he puts his armor bearer right in front of him. And he starts to mock David, which is a typical tactic of fear that the enemy uses. I'm just going to mock, 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 mock. I'm scared to death, but I'm actually just going to use my mouth and not my actions here. And David puts Goliath in his place. Verses 45 through 48, 1 Samuel 17. David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. Not me. I ain't conquering you. The Lord will conquer you, big boy. He says, and then the Lord will conquer you, and I'll kill you. I'll kill you and cut off your head. Whoa, okay, that's in the Bible. The good guy just said that. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, 
David quickly ran out to meet him. You just got to love that interaction, right? I mean, this confidence that exudes from David because he knew the armor he wore. He knew the weaponry he was going out to fight with. David doesn't trust in his own strength here because he didn't have it in comparison. He He didn't trust in human armor or human weapons. That's man's style, and David didn't need that and didn't put his trust in that. His courage came from the belief that God could use him even though he paled physically in comparison to an enemy before him. Because God is all-powerful and God only wins. One stone right in the forehead, dead. Didn't even need the four other stones. They were just extra weight. And then he walks and stands over him, it says, picks up his own sword from his dead hand and chopped his head off. And he's like, hey, in fact, later on in the scene, Saul's like, who is that kid that just did that? Bring him to me. David still got the head in his hand. I mean, wow, that's an awesome scene. Ugly, but awesome. Because God wins the day. The rest of the enemy runs away in fear. They caught him, killed him. I'm assuming birds got to eat him because that's what David said, God said to say. So we, we get dressed, but we got to be dressed to stand. Yep. Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17, tells us what it means to be dressed to stand. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or breastplate, some of your versions might read, of righteousness, of God's righteousness. For shoes... Put on the peace. Peace is to be worn during the battle. Don't forget that, Christians. Don't forget that, saints. Don't forget that, believers. Don't forget that, sons and daughters. We are not to bring discord. And it's hard. I get it. I struggle with that. But we put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what we got to have. That armor that we wear right there, His name is Jesus. That's it. Look at it as I'm putting on Jesus and the specific aspects that Jesus gives me. Truth, righteousness, peace, all the things that Jesus is, we put that on. We wear Jesus every day. So we're going to be praying on the armor of God as followers of Jesus. And that's the encouragement that we have. That's the reason we have these. That's the reason why you have this sheet here or it's in your bulletin is to actively Remember to pray on the armor of God as you begin your day. These days are hard. Sometimes sometimes they're evil. Sometimes they're totally against you or maybe your kids. Sometimes it's against your marriage. I mean, the enemy hates all the time, but sometimes there are specific attacks. So start your day praying on the armor of God. And the challenge for us as believers 
at Hill Country Fellowship or if you're tuning in online or listening on the radio, is that we say, I'm going to specifically do this for two weeks. And I'm going to see the difference that it makes in my life as a result of that. The belt of truth. Jesus is the truth, right? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So that truth keeps us on course. We just finished our series recently in 1 Timothy called Stay the Course. Jesus, as my truth, helps me stay the course and not get sidetracked or on a bunny path or, or beat down or believing lies. The enemy is the father of lies, it says in Scripture. He's the accuser of the brethren, so he's going to lie about you and I. And he's a deceiver. He's going to try to get us off track, believing wrong things. Or maybe believing close to right things that are just changed a little bit. I think that's the, the struggle. Jeremy talked about it a few weeks ago. But one of the struggles with the whole social justice movement that has started over the past... It's been around for a long time. We call it missions uh, as a church. But over the past 10 years, it's risen up in a lot of churches. And they've lost their way because social justice movements have replaced the heart of the gospel. Social justice should flow from me as a follower of Jesus. It should not be my gospel. And so the enemy has taken something good that should flow out of me, wanting to make sure people are fed or wanting to make sure people had a home to live in or wanting to make sure that maybe in certain nations where there's, there's slavery, that slavery gets ended. But when that becomes my only thing that I go after, I lose sight of Jesus. And so the enemy loves to deceive believers while he accuses us and while he constantly lies. Jesus is that truth in our lives. And the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of, of this gospel right here and, and not adding to it or subtracting from it, the truth of who you are in Jesus, your identity as a blood-bought-back, redeemed son or daughter of the living God, that keeps everything held together. You won't lose your way if you remain mindful of who he is and who you are in him and that this is enough as your guidebook. The body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness, you're made absolutely right with God because of what Jesus did, period. You believe in Jesus. He's your Lord and your Savior if you've made that decision. You have his righteousness. He traded it at the cross. An unfair trade on his behalf because he had to do that. But it was totally worth it. We got the good end uh, of the, the unfair trade. We got God's righteousness and he took on all of our sin. And now standing before God, you are fully righteous. So the righteousness that, that protects our heart, that protects all the, the important internal organs, that breastplate, it's Jesus. I am right before God so I can be in right relationship with him. I don't have to earn anything because I can't earn anything. I, that, that righteousness protects me from buying into religious lies. You got to earn it, earn it, earn it. And, and human logic lies. Uh, it's not really enough. You know, we're all, or, or we're all good enough. What, what do you need to follow that guy for? It protects our hearts from being deceived. Really, that righteousness. And, and keeps us from being led away from the calling of Jesus on our lives. Shoes of peace. The enemy hates. 
He hates you and he loves to bring discord and fear. And so he's always working against peace. He's always trying to, you know, to, to jumble things up and to shake things up and to make them miserable for us. And because you're God's favorite, you're his favored son, his favored daughter, you're God's favorite. Because of that, the enemy's going to come at you and I with traps and, and obstacles and opposition. I don't want that, Scott. I, I don't either, but the enemy hates us as believers. So he's going to come at us that way, which is why Jesus says, but here's what I give you, John 14, 27. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous, Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble, but I leave you my peace. That's his promise to us. The shield of faith. We live by faith in Jesus alone. And that can be a struggle with all the things that we have to do in life. I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a worker, I'm an owner, I'm a, I'm a boss, I'm an employee, I'm a student, whatever it is, all these roles we play. And so often we think it's about what I can make happen. But I live by faith in Jesus alone. And that protects me. It's a, it's a defense. He says it, it actually stops all the fiery darts of the enemy, that shield of faith in my life. It's my protector. No fear. And then the enemy has nothing that can overpower you. He seems so powerful because he's this spiritual entity and he was around before mankind was made and, and he like bowed up to God, although he got flicked out of heaven, you know, but like he seems all powerful but he was stripped of his power at the cross, it says. He was actually embarrassingly drugged through the streets in shame. That's what the Bible tells us. It's what the old kings used to do to their enemies. They'd beat him, they'd keep the main guy alive, and they'd drag him through the streets so the people could see, that's, that's my enemy? That's the guy trying to make us scared? They're dragging him through the streets. It's an ugly scene. But it's a scene of absolute defeat for that enemy. The enemy's been defeated. He holds no power over you and I. The helmet of salvation. I belong to Jesus now. I'm saved. You're saved if you follow Jesus as your Lord and King. Our minds are still under attack. The enemy hurls thoughts. He, he attacks us, you know, with... with with stuff that just flies in there from just stuff, half, stuff happened in the world and then, and then lies that he brings. My flesh gets easily distracted or swayed at times. So I need to have this redemption mindset over me. We're going to talk next week more about taking thoughts captive. But we, we put on the helmet of salvation to guard our minds because where your mind goes, your heart and your actions probably will too. So wear that helmet of salvation. You're saved. You're redeemed. You're bought back. You belong to the victor named Jesus. Wear that helmet of salvation. And then grab that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Jesus is the Word. So Jesus is the sword. This is Jesus. He even used his own Word, which was him, in the desert, when the enemy was attacking him, he's tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty, just body exhausted, he's got nothing of his own. 
So when the enemy came at him with lies and deceptions and, 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 and you know, mixed, kind of a mix of, of true and false, he just spoke the word. When the enemy comes at you with lies, speak the word. When the enemy comes at you with deception, speak the word. When the enemy comes at you, tries to confuse you, is what, to, what do I do, what I do? Go to the word. And if it's like, I don't quite understand, I don't know. You know what? Community, family, I'm confused here. I don't understand what to do. I'm not sure what direction to go in. Man, that's where we do life together. I had a guy in my office earlier this week. He's like, the Lord showed me this and the Lord showed me this. And where should I go? And so we walked it out together. Family. He wanted to apply the truth of Jesus. He just needed a little help. And so we walked it together. Use the sword of the Spirit. Jesus needed it. So you certainly do. And I certainly do. So the challenge for us is this. That we put this somewhere or you take your bulletin and maybe tear out that one half page and stick it in your Bible, or, or you get the bigger sheet and, and you just, you walk every day, you pray on the armor of God. As Paul wraps up that, that chapter there in, in, in Ephesians 6, he uses uh, a number of times where he talks about prayer. So he tells us to put on the full armor of God, to stand against the enemies of the... Uh, the schemes of the enemy it'll protect you and guard you and then he says pray and pray and pray and pray for me and pray for this he uses like he tells us what to do but he says you got to pray we draw strength from prayer we connect with God with prayer we stay attached with prayer I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to go into uh, one final song And my request of us is that we would commit right now during this song. God, I'm going to do this for two weeks for sure. I'm going to do this for two weeks and then I'm going to take note daily what's happening in my life, what you're doing in my life. I'm going to pray on the armor of God so that I can stand firm in this all-out war. Paul says when we pray, we're able to stay alert and persist and, and get direction. We're, we're able to... Uh, to grow in our boldness of, of following God and standing firm in what he calls us to. But that you would commit to prayer. Maybe during this song, you just need to have an all-out prayer time with God. Help me commit to this. I don't get it. I get distracted. I get tired. I don't fully understand. Help me walk in this way that you've given me to live victorious. I want to do that. Maybe you need to come up to the altar and this is your commitment time. Maybe after, when we're done and the prayer team's up here, you just need to come up and go, I'm committing, so pray with me that my commitment happens. But commit to this. Be a part of the war for your heart and watch God strengthen you and bring victory in your life, even in areas that you'll, you'll be shocked. That like, I didn't know that had anything to do with this and then look what he did. I got a raise. I got a promotion. There's peace in the office. My marriage is like crazy good and I don't even understand what I did other than just do the simple things that he asked me to do. I didn't go to a marriage class and boom! Watch him bless your life for living the way he calls us to live. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for giving us the, the simple way to walk out our Christianity, our following of Jesus. And I pray that every son and daughter listening 
every son and daughter watching, every son and daughter in this room would firmly and fully commit two weeks praying on the armor of God that we could stand firm in the midst of the schemes against us and point to the glory of God protecting us, strengthening us, and blessing us. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.